I guess. How's everybody doing? That's bull. You got an extra hour of sleep. How's everybody doing? Thank you. Thank you. My name is Andy Driscoll, and I'm the assistant pastor here, and I once again have the amazing opportunity to hang out with you all this morning while Jamie is out. Now, if you are just wrecked inside because Jamie is not here today, I understand. I miss his Puma shoes and his red watch as well, So, but don't worry. He'll be back next week, and when he comes back next week, he's going to be kicking off our new message series called, Is This Really the End? And in this series, he's going to take scripture, and he's going to help And we're going to look at the end times. We're going to look at the signs of the end times. And then he's going to help us kind of wrestle through and uncover all that that scary stuff that we see in all the Kirk Cameron movies and all that good stuff. So make sure you're here next week. It's going to be a great time. So uh, make sure you're here for the whole series. Invite a friend or two. It's going to be awesome. But for today, we're going to be talking about something that that has personally been kind of peeking its head in my life here recently. Uh, It's been, I've seen it in my thoughts, um, in my personal experiences and uh, my work life, and different podcasts that I've been listening to. Uh, it's been some of the books that I've been reading. And if you know me well enough, yes, I was actually reading a book. Imagine that. And no, it was not a pop-up book. So, just wanted to clarify that. But, but it's just this theme that just keeps, keeps coming. It's reoccurring. And it's the, the presence and the reality of comparison in our life. And as I was thinking about this, you know, I'm like, I'm wondering if, this is just me, which I'm sure it's not. But so I went ahead and just threw out a question out on Facebook. And I threw, threw out this status and it said, what do you find yourself comparing in your personal life? And in 24 hours and about 30 comments later, I realized we have something to talk about this morning. That there are so many different areas and things in our life that we compare. And as I was kind of looking through these, these comments and some of my own experiences, uh, it made me realize that there's about four main areas or categories that we tend to compare. So we'll run through a few of those. So the first thing is I noticed that we compare our possessions, don't we? I mean, say you get a new car uh, last year, and you're sitting at a red light, and the next thing you know, here comes this year's model just kind of creeping up beside you, okay? And you're like, man, look at that. Look at those wheels. I, I really like those wheels a lot better. And, man, that, that I like the new body style. It's a lot, lot better than my car. And then we're sitting here comparing our brand new car that's one year old to another. Or, or maybe it's your house. You know, is it, is it big enough? Is it as big as my neighbor's house? You know, I wonder what their square footage is. You know, uh, or else they put in some new landscaping. You're like, you know what? I need to do the same. But you know what? Mine's going to be just a little bit bigger, a little more extravagant because i got to keep up with the Joneses. You know? So we're kind of comparing our possessions. So that's one of the things that we tend to compare. The second thing that I notice is that we compare our, our, our appearances, right? I mean, ladies, you know, sometimes we, you know, you're, you're comparing your hair, you know, and you're like, you know, does it look good? You know, does it look as soft and beautiful as that girl in the commercial that, that had that semi-slow motion going on and she whips her hair over this way? You know, is it as pretty as that? Would I do that? No, it's probably not. But, um, but we compare our, our appearances. And guys, we're probably more like, you know, comparing, you know, whether even if we have hair or not. And if we do, what color it is and how quick it turns that color, you know. A lot of us compare body image. That's, that's probably one of the number one things. Am I, am I too big? Am I too small? You know, do I look as good as Jamie Johnson in a black polo? No. My arms aren't that big, but, you know. And I'm not working on it either. I don't care. But we compare our appearances a lot of times. The third thing is that we compare our performance. 
you know, a lot of times we do this with our job, you know, maybe it's, you know, like, you're like, man, my, my sales just, just don't look anything like theirs. You know, I, I work just as hard as them. I put in the same amount of hours, if not more, and yet my numbers just don't add up. I, I just don't get it, and it's just frustrating. Or, or maybe you're a mom, and, and you're always comparing yourself to other moms, and, you know, and, and here comes this mom in with four kids, and, and you're like, man, look at her. She's on time. She's got makeup on. She's got both her earrings in, and, and look at all the kids' clothes are ironed. Like, I've got to be the worst mom ever. You know, because we compare our performance. The final thing I notice is that a lot of the times we compare our circumstances. You know, maybe in a relationship, maybe you're, you're like, you know, everybody around me is getting married. And that's all I want to do is I just want to get married. You know, they're either married or they're engaged. You know, always a bridesmaid, never a bride kind of mentality. It just frustrates you. Or, or maybe it's just your situation in life right now. That, you know, that you're just not where you thought you should be at this age. And you look on at the people that you graduated with that are extremely successful or that uh, your co-workers that are getting promotions and they're moving on. And you're just like, God, why? What, what's wrong with me? Why can't I catch a break? Because we sometimes compare our circumstances. The truth is, is that that comparison really does intersect a lot of our life. Pretty much everything that we do, it's intersecting everything that we do. You know, we compare things like, you know, am I successful as him? Is, is my marriage or my relationship as good as theirs? Am I as good of a parent as they are? Am I as beautiful as her? Are my golf clubs as nice and expensive as his? How do I fit in? Now, where, where do I fall in this rating scale? So, in stating all of that, and the reality there, I want us to look at answering this question. Why does God hate it when we compare? Why does God hate it when we compare? And, and we're going to look at three different thoughts, and it's going to help us to answer this question. And then after we do that, we're going to discuss some, some different areas that, that we can work on to help get rid of comparison in our life. So... Why does God hate it when we compare? The first thought is this, is that comparison is the death of contentment. Comparison is the death of contentment. And we see this in 2 Corinthians 10, 12. When, when Paul is writing this, he says, he says do, we do not dare. Now, when we say dare in life, just in our conversations, we don't say, um, we do not dare. No, we put a little attitude into it. We put some swagger there. We say, we do not dare do this. So, so why the strong language? Why the, the direct dare? And the reason is because he understands that in comparison, that, that when we compare, it, it kills our joy. And it robs us of meaning. And ultimately, it has the potential to destroy us. That's why he uses such strong language. He continues on, he says this, We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. Basically saying they're stupid, okay? They're dumb. They're stupid. So why? Why does he say this? It's because that he understands that success in life isn't about being inferior or superior to someone else. It's not a, this balancing scale. 
what success in life is. It's about being who God wants you to be, not who you wish you were. Success is about being who God wants you to be, not who you wish you were. You see, when we start when we start comparing, we start to create and build this mirage of someone that's just not real. You know, and, and it kinda we don't intentionally set out to do that, but this is kind of how it happens. We go, you know what? I really like their personality. I mean, they're just so funny and quick witted, and if I could just have a personality like that. And 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 their hair, I love their hair. And 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 their body build, man, if I could look like that, I'd be I'd be alright. And and their spouse, man, their spouse treats them so well loves them, respects them, and their kids. Have you seen their kids? They're just so well-behaved. And, and their house, and their job, and then this, and that. And then all of a sudden, we have all these thoughts flooding in, and we create this mirage of something that's just not real. And it's, and it's who we wish we were, and not who God wants us to be, or who God has created us to be. And then we become frustrated and angry, and we're not successful because we're not being who God created us to be. And in and, and this, we begin to compare in all these different areas. And when we do that, we see the death of contentment. The second thought is this. Is that comparison makes us prideful. And we see this in, in Luke 18 when Jesus is, is telling a story about a Pharisee, basically a, a religi- religious leader at the time. And, and, and this religious leader, this Pharisee, stands up and prays. And, and we see that in Luke 18, 11 through 12. It says, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers and adulterers and evildoers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all I get. That's about as arrogant of a prayer as you can get, right? But you know what? We do this all the time. Maybe not in our prayers, but we do it in our thoughts all the time. Let me give you a a couple quick examples of this. When I was, um, before I had kids, you know, when I would go out to eat, you know, I'd be sitting there eating my dinner, and, you know, a couple tables over would be this one-and-a-half or two-year-old kid that's just just freaking out, just throwing a fit, knocking food on the floor, screaming, just acting a fool. And I can remember thinking, you know what? I can't believe that they're acting like that. I can't believe their parents are letting them do that. What's wrong with them? This is ridiculous. Their parents need to bring some discipline up in that home. My kids will never act like that. But now that I have kids... I realized that I was being very arrogant and very prideful because I was comparing. And now when I go out to eat with my kids and I see, you know, that, that kid just flipping out over there, I'm like, whew, glad I didn't get my kids tonight. I'm going to stay strong, bud. You're all right. You know, but, but we compare and it makes us prideful. Another example may be that, you know, maybe you're out to eat at Cheddar's and there's like a 20-minute wait. So you go outside, it's a nice evening, and you're just sitting outside, and the person beside you, you know, pulls out a cigarette, lights it up, starts smoking. And you're like, look at him, smoking a cigarette. What's wrong with him? Doesn't he know his body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Doesn't he know that he should take better care of himself and his health? He's just killing himself. He's killing me with all this secondhand smoke and everyone else around here. Smoking a cigarette, what's wrong with him? Then they call your name, you go to your table, flip it through the menu, the waiter comes up and says, so what will you have? A 
and you look them straight in the face and you say, yeah, I want that uh, quarter pound bacon cheeseburger. Make sure you throw a little onion straws on there. And um, I want a side of fries. But can you make those some bacon cheese fries and, and bring me a little side of ranch as well? That sounds really good. Oh, and also keep the Dr. Peppers coming because I am thirsty tonight. Right? It's ridiculous. It's, 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 you know, it's comparing and it makes us prideful. It's because it's a form of legalism in our lives when we begin to compare our situation and our circumstances to others. And legalism always leads to ridiculousness, right? But we do it all the time. Comparison makes us prideful. C.S. Lewis said it this way, and, and I really like this. He says, we say that people are proud of being rich or clever or good looking, but they're really not. They're proud of being richer or cleverer or better looking than others. If everyone else became equally rich or clever or good looking, there would be nothing to be proud about. And that is so, so true. Why does God hate it when we compare? First, we find the death of contentment. Second, it leads to pride. The third thought is this, is that comparison makes us resentful. And we see this clearly in Samuel, 1 Samuel uh, chapter 18, starting in verse 6. But before we get into that, I want to give you just a little background, a little context of, of David and King Saul's relationship. Now, when King Saul and his men were too afraid to go out and face Goliath, David, little David, stepped up. He was faithful and trusted God, and he was loyal to his king. And he went out there with just a sling and a few rocks, and he defeated Goliath. It was David who, when Saul, the scripture said, had tormenting spirits, that David would come and play his heart for him. And it says that the tormenting spirits would depart. David was extremely loyal to his king. And so you would think that Saul would kind of want to keep David just real close and be his right-hand man, right? That he would, that he would trust David. So, so let's check out 1 Samuel 18, 6 through 9. It says, when the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from the towns of Israel to meet, the, to meet King Saul and with singing and dancing, with joyful songs and with timbrels and lyres, which are instruments. As they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Saul was very angry at this. This refrain displeased him greatly. They credit David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that day on, Saul kept a close eye on David. Another version says that he kept a jealous eye on David. So in this time of victory, this time of celebration, Saul begins to compare and became extremely resentful towards David. Because when we compare it makes us resentful. Here's a, here's a key thought that I want you to capture. And, and whether you write it down or you, you type it in your smartphone or on your tablet or whatever you do, but I want you to capture this, this, this statement here. That when we compare, here's what happens. We resent God's goodness in others' lives, and we ignore God's blessing in our own life. Again, we resent God's goodness in others' lives. And we ignore his blessing in our own life. And this is exactly what happened to Saul. It didn't matter that David had already slayed Goliath. 
and that he had been faithful to, to the king, serving him, trustworthy. None of that mattered. All he knew was that they were crediting David with tens of thousands and him only thousands. What more could he want and get but the kingdom? He became so enraged and so angry that he could not be happy for David. He, in, in other words, basically, he was resentful of God's goodness and blessing in David's life, and he couldn't see the blessing in his own life. So what was the blessing in his life? Well, for starters, how about the fact that he was the king? I mean, he could go and do whatever he pleased. He was the king. But he ignored that. It didn't matter. And we do the same thing over and over again. When we let that cancer of comparison creep into our lives and just destroy us. We begin to be resentful of God's goodness in other people's lives. And we ignore how he has blessed us tremendously. Comparison is a serious, serious issue that we have to deal with. And we have to eradicate from our lives. So how do we do this? Well, I have a few final thoughts that I want to share with you, and, and I really believe that if we could internalize these things, and if we could actually apply them to our lives, I think we could be transformed and we could actually stop comparing. So the first thought is this. You have to know what you have. You have to know what you have. Philippians 4, 11 through 13, um, we see where Paul was, was writing this while he was under house arrest. So basically, a lot of his freedoms, most of them, were, were stripped away from him. He couldn't leave his house. He couldn't come and go as he pleased, and he couldn't do what he wanted. He was under house arrest. And it was while he was in this situation that he penned these words. He said, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance. Now, notice what he says. I have learned to be content. This isn't something that you can just stop cold turkey. You just, you know, you don't just wake up one day and say, you know what? I'm content. I'm not going to compare anymore. I don't care that the new iPhone launched today. I don't care. I don't need it. I don't care what clothes I have or if my house is a certain way or if my, I have a certain car. It doesn't matter. I'm content. I'm not going to compare anymore. No, it's, it's something that is a learned process. And we learn this through the process that God takes us through. And in that journey is where we discover how to be content. So Paul says, I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstance. And he continues in in verse 12. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him, the Christ, who gives me strength. Now, how does this play out in real life, everyday living? See, we all have this spiritual enemy, and I'm sure you've heard of him. His name is Satan. Okay? So he's our spiritual enemy, and he loves to, just, to, just to implant these thoughts in our mind and, and whisper into our head, you know what? You deserve better than what you have. You know what? You deserve everything that he has. You deserve everything that she has and more. And he, and he says all these kinds of things to us, and we have all these thoughts. And what we have to do, Scripture tells us, is that we have to stop those thoughts, we have to capture them, and we have to make them obedient to Christ. And we do that by knowing his word. We have to be in it. We have to ingest it. Whether, whether you're reading it or whether you, you just 
listen to it, however you do it, from however you're made. But you have to ingest and take in in God's word. Because in knowing the truth, Scripture tells us that the truth will set us free from those thoughts that hold us captive. We have to know what we have. Take those thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. But at the end of the day, it's a learned process. If you don't know what you have, and you allow yourself to be completely consumed with comparison, you begin to strive for all the wrong things. Your focus and your ambitions in life become distorted. And, and, and what, if, what if we could just stop comparing? What if we could take on this process and we could learn to stop comparing? Stop fixating on that thing, that, that mirage that we create, that, that thought that if we could just work harder, or if we could just buy this, or if we could look like this, or if we could just have this or that, or if we could have more and more, if we could just stop all that, maybe we could actually be able to get the time to our families that they actually want. Maybe we wouldn't miss those ball games. Maybe we wouldn't miss that dance recital. Or, or we wouldn't miss that anniversary and end up sleeping on the couch, right? If we know what we have, and we learn to be content, we won't miss out on God's best for our life. Because remember, success isn't about being inferior or superior to anyone else. It's about being who God wants you to be, and not who you wish you were. The first thought in killing this cancer comparison is that we have to know what we have. The second thought is this, and this is probably my favorite, but it's probably one of my biggest struggles, is that you have to know who you are. You have to know who you are, and this is so important, okay? Ephesians 12, or Ephesians 2, verse 10 says this, for we are God's handiwork. Another version says, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So, what, is, what does this mean? Who, who are we? Well, you are God's workmanship. You are God's workmanship. You are God's workmanship. You are born in the thought of the creator of the universe. You are his workmanship. And, and he's equipped you with gifts and talents, and there's things that he wants you to see, and there's things that he wants you to do. He's put you in a specific place so that you can minister to those people around you, so that you can, you can love on them, and you can share his truth to them. You are his handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for you to do. You know, Jamie just had the staff here at LifePoint uh, just read a book by John Orberg, and, and early in that book, he talks about Ephesians 2.10, and, and he says something right after he mentions that scripture that has stuck with me, and, and, and I can't get rid of it out of my mind, and, I, and honestly, I don't want to, ever. It's, and it says this, it says, the Bible doesn't say that you are God's appliance. It says that you are his masterpiece. Appliances get mass-produced. Masterpieces get handcrafted. And knowing that you are handcrafted by the creator of the universe, the king of kings, and the lord of lords, why in the world would any of us want to be anything other than what he's created us to be? But first, we have to know who we are. 
for you today is that, that you understand who you are. Because, check this out, in knowing who you are, you know who you don't have to be. Isn't that awesome? In knowing who you are, you'll know who you don't have to be. So quit trying to be somebody that you're not. Be who God wants you to be, who he created you to be. Know who you are. Today, with God's help, we can truly stop comparing. First, we have to know what we have. Second, we have to know who we are. Be who God created you to be. Because that's where we find his very best for our lives. Let's pray.